extra. Working so my mother get a rest job. Working like I never know I'm best job. Every single day I feel the pressure. Welcome back to That One Studio. It's your boy C-Rock on the Woody Made Up Show. Got another great guest for you today. Excited about this story here because it just shows that no matter what you're doing right now, you can always switch it up, add to it, go to another level. You're never stuck. I know a lot of people feel stuck. I mean, I've been there before where I felt like I was in a career and I just like, ah, I can't imagine starting over. I can't imagine finding something else that pays like this. Or, uh, you know, I started identifying with what I was doing instead of, you know, just, you know, using that as a vehicle instead of an identity. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about this story. But before we get started, I do want to just remind everyone that that one merch is up. That one merch.com. You can go get hoodies, hats, and t-shirts with that one on it. If you're that one. And that one means being yourself and stepping into it, leaning into it unapologetically. And uh, that's what we're talking about here, man. Being that one, you know. So Ian Horowitz is in the building. He founded Equity Warehouse out of need to leave his career firefighting job with the city of Baltimore, hon. <laughs> Today, they own and operate a $70 million portfolio of real estate, originally from outside of Philly. This guy, I was talking to him in the green room. Ian, what's up, bud? What's up, Mike? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. My voice isn't all back yet. I got, I got knocked over a little bit by something. I don't know what it was, but uh, I'm, I'm going to push oh. through. You know, horrible, horrible Eagles football. A lot of screaming at the Could TV, dude. We uh, we bonded on that immediately. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, like I, I tell you, I, I um, since we won the Super Bowl and the Phillies won the World Series, I just don't give a shit as much as I used to emotionally. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Like I, I, I watch it and I'm like, all right, these guys suck, and then I just yeah. like I get over it real quick. Yeah, well, and it's still like it's still so fresh, but. You know, I look at it, it's like, dude, I'm not a Tom Brady fan by any means, but it's like, yo, how, dude, how great was that dude to be able to go back over and over and over again, or Michael Jordan, and it's like, I get it, like, emotionally, I'm not there, but then it also proves the fact of, like, how hard it is to perform at such a high level all the time and continue to go back, and then, like, when you look at your, like, I even just applied to my business now, I'm like, damn, like, am I the Eagles right now? Am I sucking a little bit? Like, dude, we made it to the Super Bowl, and we've done really well, and we quit our jobs. But are we in the, like this like after comfort zone or something? Yeah, the comfort zone or like the salary cap's too high. And, you know, like we got we're just kind of doing a bunch of BS rather than like grinding out how we got to the Super Bowl and did it big. But, yeah, dude, I, I feel you. I feel like after we won the Super Bowl, that was such like a long time coming that it was like, all right, that's it. Uh, I'm good for a minute. Like, I don't need to go back, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and my son just went undefeated his team in high school football and won the Maryland State Championship. So like and we were at the Naval Academy for the state championship game and like that was more of my concern and emotional uh, uh, commitment than, than the Eagles. I mean, like these guys, you know, they don't pay my bills. I don't know. I just get this attitude now. I'm like, you know, but yeah. again, I wouldn't mind seeing them win the Super Bowl. So anyway, yeah. uh, listen, we start the show the same way every time. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole before I forget to ask the question. What are you made of, Ian? Yeah, man. I just, you know, it's kind of like what we were just talking about. I think it's a lot of grit and determination. I know we're going to get into my story here in a second, but, you know, get the willingness to get up and do the same thing every day and grinding it out, just straight up grit and determination. And if you want something, you're going to go get it. Yeah. And you just said doing the same thing every day, right? That's consistency. How big a part is consistency played in building this fund? Yeah, man. Portfolio. You know, dude, so like, you know, we've, we've built a pretty big portfolio, you know, almost $70 million of real estate is two dumb firemen. And people were like, dude, how'd you do it? And it's like, we got up, we were dumb enough to go back and do the same thing every single day. And I think that's the one thing that the fire department taught us. Like, 
we would go to a fire and you could not leave the fire scene until the fire was out. So then in business, we would go home and it'd be like, yo, dude, we got a fire burning, yo, or this thing's a dumpster fire. Like, how are we going to get out of this? Well, the only thing we knew how to do, because we didn't have a lot of money, was go work harder than everybody else. And having that consistency and the willingness to do it over and over and over again is what got us to where we are today. Too many people are like, yo, I made it cool. I'm, I'm going to go sit on the beach. And it's like, well, no, if you really have purpose and determination and drive, you want to continue to grow something. Not I did it for me and be selfish and then go sit on the beach. And it's like, well, cool. You did, you did it for you, but what about for everyone else that was counting on you? You know? So yeah, hundred percent. Well, you're not saying don't sit on the beach for like a vacation. You're just saying oh, don't no. retire. And get, dude, I, I'll tell you what, like I go to Mexico or Jamaica or something. I can't sit still, dude. I mean, I love getting away. I love the, I love the man, the water in South Florida and the Caribbean. I yeah. love that. Like I dream yeah. about it, but I can't sit still like laying on a beach or by a pool. It's just not me. No, dude, you know? one dude, I so man, was that COVID? I don't know. Somewhere around there, I took a whole month off from the fire department. So I'm gonna take my wife to the beach because all these people are preaching lifestyle and oh dude, like we we're successful and like lifestyle's gotta be the way to do it. Cool, I'm gonna go to the beach for a month. Dude, like week one was chill because we were working really hard at that point. Dude, by week two, week three, week four, I was so miserable. My, my wife was like, What's wrong? I said, I gotta go home, dude. Like, I need to work three or four hours every day. Let me just do my stuff. And then I'll be present with you guys. But like, I have to work like, cause I feel like I'm falling behind and honestly, no purpose. A, a man without a purpose is dead. I think, mm -hmm. I think we can prove that over and over and over again. Um, and really just finding what you need to do and get out there and doing it is what is ultimately important. Yeah. I love it. So tell me about this. Do you guys, is it a fund, this portfolio? Like, or what, what is, what is it exactly? No. So we, uh, my business partner and I, we own equity warehouse and we're, I like to tell people we're opportunistic investors, but we really concentrate on self-storage and multifamily. Um, and we do a lot of single purpose entity syndications. Um, and we go out and find the best deals that we can. You know, like a lot of our friends and family are firemen, teachers, nurses, police, military. <clears throat> you know, we have a duty to go out there and earn not only returns for ourselves, but for our, our investors as well, because a lot of our investors don't get the opportunity to see these types of investments. Um, so that's really what we're doing. We're out there syndicating the deals, uh, bringing the best deals that we can find at the table for them and just staying in our niche and, and grinding it out. So, I mean, look, we started in single family, uh, section eight rentals, you know, and we've grown into self storage and multifamily. That was years of doing the, again, consistency, the same thing over and over and over again to get to where we are today. How many years ago did you start? So we started in 2000. Uh, 2012, 2013. It was the end of 12 going into 13. We formalized our company in 14. So technically, this is our 10 year anniversary, even though we've been doing real estate, you know, 11, 12 years. Um, but you know, we, we took the we took the long road, right? We went out, we didn't have a lot of money. Again, we worked harder than everybody else. We learned how to wholesale, we learned how to do single family houses really, 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 really well. And from that, we were able to grow our team and grow into new, better, bigger assets that has allowed us to grow and ultimately leave our W-2 jobs. And so what was your first deal? Our first deal uh, was, <laughs> I don't know how familiar with our are with Baltimore City, but it was in the east side of Baltimore, uh, not in the best area. They call it the four by four because there's four blocks by four blocks. Uh, it was a little cut neighborhood and um, I bought it for $25,000. 
I put maybe 25 grand into it. I don't know. We went, we didn't have full blown accounting practices back then. So we'll call it 25, 30 grand into this thing, somewhere between 50 and $60,000. And we got a section eight renter and we got 1250 rent, uh, when we rented that out and cash flow was almost 600 bucks a month. And dude, that was like, that was like the best high I could get. Right. Because there was no overtime in the fire department. We're, we're talking, we're talking post 2008, dude, like they're laying firemen off like a secure job. Pensions are going bankrupt all across the country. So to get $600 a month, that was like, that was like a whole paycheck, dude. And I didn't have to work overtime. I didn't have to grind out stupid side jobs and I could earn money while I was asleep. And from that deal, quickly did we learn to buy in better areas. Um, but yeah, that was our first deal. Uh, Where'd, you Where'd you get the money from? Dude, I, yo, I had 15 grand <laughs> saved up. My credit score was like 570. I'm, I'm, clawing, I'm clawing out of debt. Um, barely, you know, barely keeping my head afloat. But I had 15 grand saved up. And I talked to the wife. I said, listen, we're 30 years old, just about to be 30. If I lose it all, I'll just work for the fire department for the rest of my life. I'll work all the overtime in the world. Won't be the best quality life. But if we got to go bankrupt, we're going bankrupt. So I used that 15 grand, borrowed hard money at some insane rate, um, went out and did that first deal literally on a shoestring budget. I was out there, you know, I was, I was doing the plumbing. I was doing the painting. I was doing, you know, everything. Was it right? No. Did I get through it? Yes. Did I actually go out and do something? A hundred percent. And that's what allowed to prove to us that, Hey, something's here. We might not have done everything right, but let's go do it again. Let's save up some more cash. Let's go work those side jobs now. Cause now we can work for cash to then go reinvest them into assets. that are going to give us $600 a month. When we started this, we both wanted just enough houses to secure our retirement and we didn't care about anything else. Well, that quickly did we realize that we were able to grow it into something bigger. And did you have a partner on the first deal? And who was your partner? No, the first, so the first deal, I did that one on my own. Um, I did that with, uh, you know, kind of on the premise on my own that I was going to do it myself. My business partner grew up outside of Philadelphia with me. He was down there as a fireman too. And I did about four or five houses on my own. Actually, I got up to about 10 houses on my own. Well, one of the houses he sold me was a, um, he wholesaled a house to me because he was struggling from the 08 financial crisis. He had bought a house, couldn't refinance it was underwater, all these crazy things. Well, when that happened, uh, he wholesaled me the house. And then he came back maybe about a year later, he was doing some electric work for me. And he's like, dude, what the, I don't know if I can curse on your show, but yeah, more or less. I don't know. Can you, can you? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would be myself. So is, yeah, he literally is, said, yeah, sorry. Go for go I, was, I say literally, he said, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I working for you? And he found a package of houses. And he's like, dude, I want to wholesale three of these and I want to flip the fourth. And I said, dude, let's do it. We were childhood friends, did that one, then did another one. And then we formalized our company in 2014. Um, and we've never looked back since then. So, um, yeah. So that first house, you still have it? Uh, we recently just sold it. Um, but yeah, we had it for a very long time. You know, it was one of those cash flowing assets that it was like, man, this thing just, it's a workhorse. Yo, are we going there on a Friday night with our wives? Not unless we're trying to do some extracurriculars, but other than that, like there's no reason to be in that neighborhood after dark, really any day of the week. So at a certain point in your investing career, you got to realize that like any point in any business is your goal is to level up. Like you might start down here because that's all you can afford, 
and that's how hard you're willing to work. But I want to get to the class A, really nice stuff. So now it's a trade and swap. I built some cash flow, start buying nicer stuff. Cool, that cash flow starts to perform. Now I can sell this, and I can go like this and like this, and move all the way up. For those that weren't, you know, listening to this on audio, I'm doing the ladder. Um, but really, the goal is to ultimately buy the best asset that you can that produces the best returns for yourself. And there once was a time that I loved the drama. I loved going to the hood. You know, we were also firemen. We were in it every day. Like when we were firemen, we worked in the heart of West Baltimore. You know, if you watch The Wire, uh, if you saw all the riots that were going on, that is literally where we worked in Baltimore City. So we were used to the element. Now remove yourself from the element. You're like, dude, that's like an operational drag on my head every day. That's that's how I got so gray and bald really quick at a young age um, is by going and dealing with that. But then again, that's all we could afford at that time. And that's what we had to grind out. And you know what? There's You can make money anywhere you want. It's all what kind of BS you're willing to deal with, right? Our returns on those crappy houses are exponentially higher than the nicer houses. But I deal with exponentially more drama and I need to earn more money on them than I do on the nicer quality stuff. So um, that's the benefit of scaling, growing, doing better quality assets is to get away from that drama um, and just have a new type of drama, something that's much easier, much, you know, more level headed to fix and dealing with more B2B and people that want to do business, not someone who's trying to take you out with some BS lawyer that's down at the courthouse that's working for free for the state. You know, we're, yeah. we want to deal with people that have the same common goals as us, not only from the investor side, but from our tenant base as well. Right. You can only deal with that for so long. And some people are willing to deal with it. Just we want to level up as we can. Yeah, listen, it's not, I don't know if it's dealing with it. I think it's enslavement when you have to, you know, work with investors or customers or employees that aren't in alignment with you. I yep. mean, I've been there before. Like I, I, chased, I chased production in my business before and had uh, uh, employees that just didn't align with what I, my core values. I mean, good people, bad people, whatever you want to call them. They just didn't, they just didn't align. I come home miserable, making millions, but miserable. Yep. And yeah, and I'm 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 trapped with money. It's wild, you know. So I'm in a I'm in a position now. I started this company that one, and we've had some customers where I gave their money back because I just knew that they didn't align with what we're doing. And I was just like, I'm not dealing with it. I'm not I'm not taking customers on that I don't want to talk to every day. You know. Yeah, and I I think with like the environment, unfortunately, it comes from the political side of things. But I think people are more like realistic to be like, you know what, this is not worth the drama. Like, I don't want to end up on the front page of the paper. I don't want to be an internet sensation because I didn't do something mm -hmm. right. You know, I'd rather just deal with people that align with me. And that's what we tell all of our investors early on. It's a little easier with them than it is our tenants because you can only get so many core values through our tenants. We get it through our tenants by giving a great quality project. You show up to one of our properties, like we used to always say, hey, if I was single in the fire department, I'd be willing to live here, right, if I needed to, or I'd rent storage here, whatever it is. With our investors, it's a much easier conversation is, hey, we might buy a property and never, ever sell it because we're legacy owners. If we sell it, it's because there's going to be a massive windfall or there's an issue with the project. But you need to be aligned with us and trust that what we're doing, not because it's a control thing, just because... It's an operational drag for them, whether they realize it or not. And I don't want them out talking shit on us. And more importantly for us, we want investors that are going to ride it with us. Like We want them to be ride or die. We want them to be like, yo, I think your business should do this because I think we could all do this much better. You know, we have a couple of guys that are 
um, CFOs for some companies and they're like, hey, have you ever thought about this type of accounting practice? Or have you looked at leveraging your money in this way to be able to do this? Because they want to see us successful because it allows them to be successful side by side with us. And I think hopefully that trend, again, take the political drama away from where most of this stuff stems from. But I hope this trend in business and in life of working with people that you want to work with and it's okay to tell people no continues on. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, it's about it's about thinking abundantly. It's not like, you know, anytime you have to deal with that is you're just thinking too small and you're and you're trapped. And you you know, really it's like you've done some work to go get some business or investors or what have you, and you're like, Oh, that work was so hard sometimes. And then you don't want to go do that work again. And to sit dead, you gotta be thinking, like, I always gotta be hustling. Like I always gotta be getting talking to new investors, new customers, you know, promote all the time. And make it a yep. way of life. And if you do that, then you can, yeah, you can fire clients. You can just say no. Yep. Um, you know, and then what I wanted to talk to you too about was, um, shit, I had a question about the, uh, oh, do you guys do non-accredited investors too? We do, but they got to be really, really close to us. Um, you know, we try to reserve those spots for our friends and family, like truly firemen, military, teachers, nurses. Because you know what? Like guys like us, you know, all of us included, uh, we don't get these looks, dude. Like it's become a lot better now since they've changed a lot of the securities laws. People have a better opportunity to look at these, especially with all the syndicators out there pushing them. But still at that, it's like, you know, my closest fireman friends, I'm like, dude, like you can go invest with them, but there's a lot of BS that comes with all that stuff. So with that being said, I'd, I'd rather see you come invest with us if you want. And we'll show you the road and we'll show you how we do it. And I hope you go out and this gives you the confidence to go buy real estate. So we try to reserve those 35, 35 spots for our closest friends and family, uh, just so they can get the opportunities to look at them because not enough first responders, in our opinion, get the chance to have an opportunity to invest in those types of deals, which honestly, it's a disservice that the government thinks that they're smarter than all of us and decides who should win and who should not win but we all know that's a whole totally different game out there that none of us are playing that i know of anyway so but. yeah and, and and each property that you have is a different fund slash llc is that how it works yeah so we might do a collection of properties together and we'll say hey you know we're doing these three properties together the investment amounts you know say 25 grand and it gets you this much equity plus a preferred return if you want in, great. Sometimes, like we just did a 47 unit apartment building out near Catonsville, uh, you know, which is Baltimore City, Baltimore County, right where it meets up on the west side. Um, we just did that as a single purpose. Hey, this is 47 units. We're raising a million bucks. Who wants action on it? And that's it. So it all kind of varies, depends how much um, inventory and how much we're trying to gobble up at one time. You know, with the storage stuff, it's a little, you know, we're trying to make plays where we can buy a bunch of stuff in one area because we're investing out of state and we need to put a management team there. So we usually do a collection of properties in them. Our multifamily and single family stuff usually is in the Baltimore metro area, um, some stuff up in Philly. Uh, but for the most part, our whole management team resides in Baltimore, in Baltimore. So it's easy for us to just do single purpose properties in those areas and allow us to grow uh, at a very consistent basis. Yeah. Okay. So I got it. All right. And then from there, I, mean, I got some so many questions. I just don't know what to, which ones to start with. Sometimes um, here. I got I got answers. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. I, I, oh, I know what I wanted to say. So you got people like Grant Cardone out there talking about 
you know, we have something coming in 2024. It's going to be the worst ever. This and that. It's going to be provide a big opportunity for investors and all that. Over the last year, have you been holding off, waiting for something to happen? And uh, what do you foresee going in, in the future? <clears throat> yeah, so I think uh, Uncle Uncle G, as he likes to call himself, is well um, well ahead of the curve, and I think he is right. I think there's a ton of pent up demand. Um, I think interest rates are going to track back again. Some of this is political um, that they need to do something before 2024. So I'd be interested to see if some opportunities arise. You also got a lot of debt that's expiring from people that bought stuff COVID, pre-COVID, that the rates are going to jump, that there's going to be a lot of operators in trouble. So there's another place for a ton of opportunity. But what have we been doing over the past two, three years? There was plenty of times where we bought a lot, and there's been plenty of times where we've been on the sidelines. But we've always looked at it from the standpoint of no matter what deal comes to us today, we are doing the best deal we possibly can do at the time it's presented to us. And there might be a better opportunity down the road. So we might say no to something that's marginal right now because it's becoming a buyer's market really quick. Um, so we're, we're saying no to more deals, but we're getting better looks all the way through here. We just haven't found anything that has fit the buy box that we want. Um, and we've really refined that over the past two years, knowing what works and what doesn't. And as debt continues to get more expensive, although it is slowing down, um, the opportunities are starting to meet the market, right? You got the the stock market analogy of the bid ask that the bid and the ask are finally coming to a medium where sellers are realistic, buyers are realistic, and the two sides are meeting. Um, so to say that we stopped sideline, that we were like these massive predictors, we're not, dude. We're, we're two dumb firemen. But what we can do is we can identify deals. For us, when we see drama around a deal, a bad operator, a problem on a site, someone can't develop it because they don't have the money. That's where we're looking to insert ourselves, whether it's this market, it's COVID market, it's 2008 financial crisis market, it's the Great Depression. It does not matter to us. We have the ability to raise capital. We have the ability to get finance. But more importantly, we're doing the best deal that we can possibly find at that time. Uh, and that's what we're looking to do. And I think there's always a time to buy. There's always a time to sell. And you just need to stay fluid to the market. And I think there's a ton of opportunities if you just open your eyes. For once, actually just shut your ears. Stop listening to everybody on the internet, besides Mike and myself right now for this two seconds, and open your eyes. There is a ton of deals out there. You just got to go find them. Uh, and I think you can uncover really good deals right now. And don't you think that the people that have these properties – know that their debts are about to expire rates are where they are like w w like they're not really just going to wait and be uh irresponsible are they i mean some of them are going to be irresponsible some of them are going to say no i want to live to see another day some of them are just mom and pop operators and they just they just don't know any better and they're like ah banker said it's seven percent man my cash flow went from 10 grand down to four grand this month like crap i need to do something well i can make four grand a month for the next five years while I wait for this debt to get better and not know what's happening, or I can sell and get $3 million in one swoop, I might as well sell, you know? So there's a, again, and that there's $3 million a, being at a premium. I mean, a discount, yeah, discount. Yeah. Um, we're still getting a discount potentially yeah. because yeah. we're willing to stand the test of time of the market. Right. And you got to remember the other thing is like, there's always death. There's always divorce. There's always 
drama. There's always city business problems, partnerships. Right? Yeah, going, yeah. Yeah. So business hardships is another great one that there's a reason for people to always sell and always sell at a discount to get a deal done. Like we were looking at a storage facility uh, out west of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where we have a bunch of stuff. And the seller's like, dude, I'll sell or finance it. I'll do this. I just need it off my plate because daddy died and I do not want to be in the storage business because it takes a lot of work. Um, you know, we bought a $5 million uh, 76 unit apartment building in Baltimore City at the height of COVID when nobody was doing anything because the lady's mother was sick uh, and was basically needed in care home. And she's like, I just need $20,000 a month. I don't want to deal with any of this BS. I don't want to deal with the tenants. I'll just owner finance 90% of it to you. Just buy it for me. And I just want 20,000 bucks a month. I was like, dude, that's a deal, right? Um, and by us taking that opportunity, if she would have waited just another in eight or in 18 months, we refinanced that at a, we bought it at five, put 500 grand into it. Uh, we were all in under 6 million bucks. And then we got a $9.8 million valuation 18 months later, right? Like, we were willing to deal with the BS in this market. Had she been willing to deal with it, she would have made another 4 million bucks, right? But you got to remember, her head was so checked out from it. She had her sister who didn't believe in the same money principles that she does. Her mom's on her deathbed. She doesn't want to shirk the check anymore for her mom. Like She just needed that money to come in on an everyday basis. And I think if you can uncover and identify those deals, no matter what the market is, you will always be ahead of the curve. Yeah. And, and as we wind down here, a couple more questions. So when you get a deal and you're going to start raising money, how do you market? I'm a marketing guy. How do you market investment opportunities and stay out of trouble? Yeah. So for us, like we don't, you won't see much on the internet from us. Like everything we do, we just drive all of our tra traffic to equitywarehouse.com. Um, all of our investors are just friends and family. They live on our platform. Um, I text them. I talk to them all the time. You know, but the reason I do podcasts, the reason I do content, reels, shorts, all the fun stuff, all the sexy stuff that people see on the internet is not to directly raise money. It's to educate people on what we do. And then somewhere along the line, they're like a fish. They're just going to be swimming like this. And eventually they're going to bite on something. This last capital raise um, for this build that we're doing. I mean, I, I was just going through it. I was showing our intern all the new capital investors because he was asking and he said, well, what's the deal? And I said, you know what? I said, I think people have watched enough that they're like, man, these returns are actually real. We've watched them do enough projects. They own almost $70 million of real estate. You know what? I'm going to hop in because the banks are giving me better returns. Well, I think these guys returns are real because they've been telling me this the whole time and people are starting to recognize that the banks have issues. So for us, it's always talking to people about how they can co-invest with us because we truly look at it as everyone as a partner. But more importantly, it's just education. You know what? I hope someone from this audience, I'd love if they invested with us. But honestly, I'd love even more if they went out and did their own project and went out and bought that piece of real estate that they never thought they'd do. They go out and buy into a syndication that they've always wanted to buy into because they feel confident enough because they've learned something from me or from you or from somewhere else on the internet or talking to friends that they have the confidence to go do it because if we all win, you know, you were talking about the abundance lifestyle before uh, mindset is, you know, what is it? Uh, rising tides, raise all ships. I believe in the same thing. I hope they invest with you. I hope they utilize your services. I hope they invest with Grant Cardone, whoever it is, go do it, man. And if you do well there, 
Hopefully we could do well by our investors that that allows them to go invest with someone else because if everyone's having success, it's better for all of us that are involved. Yeah, I love it. 100%. Now you started your show and that gets people's attention and you can educate them and and all that. I know why I started show and I know why I go on shows regularly and I made it a part of my business to go on shows. And that's what we do at that one agency. We help people get on top 5% shows and above. In doing that, like I know the power in it. What did you see in the power of it? And do you go on shows regularly as a guest? Yeah, so we've been really ramping it up. You know, before I would just kind of wait for the emails, you know, that like you guys send out, hey, looking for a guest. Yeah, I'll jump on, you know, just kind of the freebie. But I'm really taking it seriously for 2024 to get on a show a week, um, you know, and employing someone to do it. But the benefit to me is it's just exposure. I don't know, dude, it's crazy. Like the country is gigantic, right? What do we have? Uh, 300 million people in this country. You start doing real estate, you start getting in some networks. It's like, yo, you know, so-and-so over in Fresno, California. Yeah, actually, so I do. Right? And then you start making those connections. So by me hopping on your show, there's probably someone on here is like, oh, shit, you know, so-and-so from the fire department or you know this person up in Philly. Yeah, I might. And it starts the conversation, right? And because it's not just about investors either. It's about it's about deals, opportunities, conversations, us just bullshitting here. Like, dude. You know, me talking to you, I'm already thinking about like, all right, like I might know a guy that might utilize your services or vice versa. You know, it's just having conversations and just being real with people and opening it up. And listen, if we were going to do this phone call, if we were going to do this phone call, just like in the private, we might as well do it out in front of everybody. That's how my podcast started. Me and my, uh, one of our capital investors who runs a hard money company, we would talk on the phone every day. And I finally said, dude, Jason, like you need exposure for your hard money company. I need exposure for my company. All this stuff we talk about is like high level brain thought. Let's just put it out there. And guess what? People start following you. And every once in a while, you're scrolling the reels. You're like, oh, man, that person sounds smart. You're like, oh, shit, that's from our show. Wow, that was cool. You know, um, so yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't even uh, remember saying that. Where the hell did that, that come from? Dude, that's the, that's the worst. You're like sitting there. You're like, wait, I said that? When did I say that? And you're like trying to go through the whole, like, how did I get in that thought process? But, dude, this is legitimately therapy. Like, everybody really is. If you have a business or you have something to offer other people, you should 100% being doing shows. You should 100% have a some sort of social media following. Dude, I don't have a ton of people, but you know what? I got 1,500 of the right eyeballs on Instagram that follow us, that get us a capital investor, that get us another deal, that get us a new vendor that can provide a better service, right? Like, it's putting yourself out there. Our job as a company owners is to advance the company forward by finding the best opportunities and the best employees. Uh, and that's what we're going to continue to do. So I think everybody should do it. I talk about it all the time. I think you're definitely onto something with that too. So, yeah, thank you, Ian. Hey man, I appreciate it. You know, I've been on over 900 and I don't know, 50 plus shows in the last four years. So <laughs> it has changed my life. I can, I feel like I can start any kind of business right now and be successful from, from the exposure and knowing that I can do it in the future. Um, you know, so I, I just, anybody listening, if you're in a business, you should be getting on podcasts. You got to be get whether it's with us or anybody else, you just book, find and booking yourself on shows. It is, uh, it is necessary, but it's the most efficient and effective way. So Ian, thank you so much for being here, brother. Appreciate you, man. Hell yeah, brother. Appreciate where, where, it. Where's the, uh, is it equitywarehouse.com? Is that the best place? Yeah, for people to go? If you want to learn, if you want to learn more about us and see some case studies on how we co-invested with our, our friends and family, just go to equitywarehouse.com. Or you can literally hit any of the social platforms under Equity Warehouse and you'll be able to find us. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here, Ian. Guys, go check them out. Equitywarehouse.com. Hang tight while I wrap this up. Uh, you know, look, hey, keep coming back. We got guests from all different walks of life, firefighters, and investors, 
Oh, man, we've had, I mean, listen, it's like all walks of life. That's what this is about. And I want to find out the ingredients that are going to make in these people who they are. And the more we do that, the more we realize we're not alone when we're going through the things we're going through. So it's your boy C-Rock signing off from that one studio on the What Are You Made Of show. Until next time, beat that one.